Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, Today we're continuing on in our journey through the gospel. We're in the 23rd chapter. We're looking specifically at the trials that Jesus has gone through. So now we're up to the third trial. Last week we saw two different trials. We saw the trial that happened before that. We saw the two trials that were before Pilate and Herod. Now we're back to where we're before Pilate. And what we're going to see today, folks, is, I can say it no other way, the total rejection of Jesus. The total rejection of Jesus, which is happening even to this day, where mankind rejects Jesus for who he is and sentences him to the cross. Now, the interesting thing is that in our passage today, we're going to see that, I mean, you and I would not even stand for it if something like this were to happen today, where he's going to be proclaimed innocent three different times. You hear me? The not guilty verdict is going to be given Three different times. But he still goes to the cross. They still send him to the cross. Why? Because of unbelief and because of the rejection of Jesus Christ. Now you say, okay, George, wow, that's going to be pretty powerful for us to hear that. How do we apply that to our life? Well, remember now, I told you that as we've been going through this issue of Jesus as he heads to the cross here in the last few weeks, especially since we've been in chapter 23, That really what we're dealing with here is not just seeing what Jesus is going through. We're going to see that. We're also seeing the depravity, the darkness of the human heart. Do you understand? We're going to see the nature of humanity. And today especially, we're going to see how humanity will reject God. How humanity does not want to have anything to do with God and will do whatever it takes to get rid of him from their life. And that's what we're going to see today in this passage. So I want you to notice with me. Let's read together. We're going to look at verses 13 through 25 of Luke 23. And we're going to notice this third trial that happens before Pilate. Verse 13, Luke records, Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people... He said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people, and indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. Nor did Herod, for I sent you back to him, and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. For it is necessary for him to release one to them at the feast. And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Pilate, therefore wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Then he said to them a third time, Why? What evil has he done? For I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him 
and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison. But he delivered Jesus to their will. All right, folks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to break this passage down really into four sections. We're going to look at each one of the pronouncements. We're going to look one section at a time at each of the three pronouncements. And then we're going to see the sentence. The sentence. So let's talk about it. First pronouncement. Here's what's happening. Let me just bring you up to speed. Remember, this is all happening in one period of time. In the early morning, Jesus is taken. He's taken captive. As soon as it breaks dawn, they have a trial before the Jewish leaders They find him guilty of blasphemy, and he's deserving of death. They take him to Pilate because Pilate is the only one who can give the death sentence. The Jews didn't have the right to kill anybody, so they take him to Pilate. But they also know that Pilate is not going to kill Jesus for a religious matter. So they go to Pilate, and they say to Pilate, he's an insurrectionist. He's causing the people to turn against Caesar. He's telling them not to pay taxes and so forth. And so they're trying to make it out to Jesus as some kind of rebellious guy who needs to be wiped off the face of the earth. But Pilate examines him and finds that there really is no reason in the first trial, there's no reason to kill Jesus, So, but he doesn't really want to answer to that, so he sends him to Herod when he finds out that Jesus is a Galilean goes to Herod. Herod, of course, is interested in Jesus. He's heard all about Jesus, wishes Jesus would do something miracle for him. That doesn't happen. He mocks him, treats him badly, sends him back to Pilate. Now, here's Jesus back at Pilate. Pilate's got to do something, so he calls together. Here's what the text says. He calls together the chief priests, the rulers of the people, that is, the Jewish rulers, and the people, the multitude. Notice something. Pilate obviously has heard a lot about Jesus and how the people love Jesus, right? So he calls them all together, and he says to them, I find nothing wrong with this guy. In fact, that's my first point I want you to see here. Pilate states that he could not find any fault in Jesus. So listen, folks, he's been examined now three times. Two different kings. They don't find anything wrong. He finds no fault with him, and so he says, now you have to understand what's going on here. He says, I'll chastise him. Now what does that mean? In the Roman culture, what they would do is, is even though you were maybe found innocent or you were going to be released, they wanted to teach people a lesson that you don't mess around with Rome. So they would have you whipped with a cat of nine tails, which would probably have some metal embedded on the end of it. They would just have you whipped just to teach everybody a lesson you don't mess around with Rome. So I'm going to release them to you, but before that I'll chastise them. Maybe that will satisfy your anger a little bit. But here's what happens. Look at how they respond. He's doing this because there's a custom. The custom is it's the Passover, and, the, and they would release a prisoner at the Passover. So he figures, I'm going to release Jesus, okay? But look at verse 18. And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas. Look at verse 19. Who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Now here's what I want you to see. Unbelief is not rational in its rejection. Unbelief is not rational in its rejection. What do you mean, George? Well, I want you to think about it for a moment. Think about what the original charges were against Jesus when the Jews came to Pilate. They come to Pilate, 
and they say to him, this guy is causing an uproar among the people. This guy is telling them not to pay taxes against to Caesar. This guy's claiming to be a king, and there's only one king, that's Caesar. So he's making him out to be an insurrectionist, right? That's what they're doing here. So when it comes time, Pilate examines him and says, I don't find any fault in him. But look what they say. Don't give us this guy. Give us Barabbas. Oh, well, that's okay. What's the deal with Barabbas? He's the insurrectionist. He's the terrorist. Do you understand what I'm saying? He literally is involved in trying to overthrow the Romans. He caused a problem in town. He's murdered people. Do you see how irrational unbelief is? They make the accusation to get rid of Jesus, and then they turn around and say, give us the guy who's really doing it. The reason is, is we don't want this other guy. We don't want Jesus. Now, here's the lesson for you. Some of you are talking to people. You're sharing with them about your Jesus and how much you believe in him and how great Jesus is for your life. And the people that you're talking to don't believe. In fact, here's what you're going to find, folks. The issue isn't not just that they don't believe. They don't want to have anything to do with your Jesus. And because they don't want to have anything to do with your Jesus, here's what you're going to notice sometimes, is that in their unbelief, and because they're totally rejecting Jesus, some of their actions don't make sense. You know what I'm talking about? Some of the things that they say, and some of the things that they're claiming, and some of the things that they want, and some of the things that they'll accept, don't make sense. All that matters to them isn't that what they're doing is a contradiction. All that matters to them is that they don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. They want rid of him. And that's what we're seeing here in the first pronouncement. Pilate says, I don't find anything wrong with him. But what we're seeing here is that unbelief is not rational. Unbelief is not rational in its rejection. Let me just stop for a moment. You want to write this down. With unbelief, it's not an issue of what truth is. Do you understand what I'm saying? People say, well, the reason why they don't believe is because they don't have enough truth. They don't have enough facts. If they had enough facts, then they would believe. Folks, you got it all wrong. Belief sometimes has nothing to do with facts. Do you understand me? Belief sometimes has nothing to do with facts. It has to do with heart. And whether they want to submit their hearts to what the truth is. It has nothing to do with whether or not truth is there. Truth's there all the time. It's whether they want to submit their hearts, their wills to the reality of who God is. So we see the first pronouncement there. We see that he's ready to give him up. He finds no fault with him. But unbelief, they're rejecting him. Why? They're rejecting him, and they're wanting a guy who has actually done more. Jesus hasn't done anything that he's claimed. This guy that they want has done that. Here's the second pronouncement. Look with me now. Luke just makes it very brief that he again cries out to the people. So he's again crying out that he's not finding anything wrong with him. Here's what I want you to see. Second pronouncement, Pilate pronounces his intention to release Jesus a second time. So here it is. Pilate is saying a second time, I'm going to release him. Just stop for a moment. Think about how ironic that is. History tells us that actually Pilate was a pretty brutal guy. In fact, the Jews hated him for several reasons. One reason was is that uh, on several different occasions, he just ordered Jews to be wiped out in the temple. Just killed them. So we're not talking about a guy who's kind of fickle, who doesn't know how to use his authority. So here you come to the Jesus thing, and it's a second time now. It's like, what's going on here? Can't, don't, 
Don't you have the brass to say no? So he makes another pronouncement that he's going to release them. But look at us what happens again. Unbelief shows its head here with the Jewish leaders and with the people. Here's what it says. Unbelief seeks to destroy Jesus. Because now they're going one step further and they're saying, crucify him. Crucify him. Kill him. That's what they're saying here. Kill him. We want rid of him. Doesn't make any sense. Now let me explain to you what's going on here. Crucifixion, we're going to talk about it more in the, in the coming weeks when we look at Jesus being crucified. Do you have to understand, when you talk about crucifying someone, you're not talking about killing them immediately. Do you understand what I'm saying? Crucifixion was, was, was actually, I think it was the Persians who invented crucifixions, but the Romans perfected it. And it was a, it was a method of execution that was more a method of torture. When you crucified someone, folks, it was a method of torture. And a person doesn't die from being hanged on a tree. What he dies from is the asphyxiation. He dies from no longer being able to breathe. And that's why when they nailed you to a cross, they bent you at your knees. So that when you're hanging there, you could push up. Now think about that. Your feet are nailed. You could push up so you could get a breath. And they say with crucifixion, you could sometimes even last up there for a week. That's how torturous it was. They would speed up the death that they needed to by breaking, well, we'll see that later, by breaking the what? The legs. Why would they do that? To speed death along, because you would not be able then to what? Push up to get a breath. So really the issue isn't just killing him. They're interested in destroying him. Torturing him. That's unbelief. Unbelief can get to the place where they're so sick of God, so sick of your Jesus thing, that they just don't want to have anything to do with it. Don't even talk to me about that. Do you understand what I'm saying? They just want rid of it. And that's what we see happening here. That's what we see happening here. We see that now. And then Pilate gives a third pronouncement. Third pronouncement. Look with me at verse 22 and 23. Then he said to them the third time, I mean, you've got to be, come on, give me a break. You're the ruler here, right? Three times? It's like, give it, I mean, you expect somebody to be who's in charge to be in charge, not saying, what do you think, guys? What do you think we need to do here? Doesn't that make you kind of uneasy when somebody says that to you, when they're the ones in charge? Here's what he says. Look at me, third time, verse 22. But he said to them the third time, why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But look at verse 23. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices. They're screaming now. Demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. Here's what I want you to see. First thing, Pilate pronounces Jesus' innocence a third time. Okay, so I want you to understand. We're at the last pronouncement. And I want everybody to be clear here in this point. When we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about somebody who was crucified, who would die, and three different times it is pronounced that he's innocent. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not something that he did that got him put there. It's not somehow he messed up and did the wrong thing. He's not somebody who is really a criminal in disguise, and we're just kind of venerating him later on. This is somebody who has been found three different times, over and over, 
to be innocent. So here's the ruler of those people at that time saying, I find him to be innocent. What has he done? He's not done anything evil. But here's what I want you to see. Unbelief will express rejection with unrestrained emotion. When you push unbelief to the point where it's not getting what it wants, that's when you begin to see emotion erupt. Some of you have experienced that, haven't you? With people who don't believe in Jesus, and they just kind of get fed up and sick of you talking about him or sick of you. Unbelief will express rejection with unrestrained emotion. What's the issue going on here? They don't want to have anything to do with God. See, let me just free you up for a moment. Some of you right now, you've been sharing with a loved one or you've been sharing with a friend and you've been sharing about Jesus Christ and they reject you. Some of them are flat out angry with you. They don't want to hear it anymore. I don't ever want to hear you talk about that again. And and you come away from that and you're like, man, they're rejecting me. They're angry with me. And it's natural to feel that way. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's natural to feel that way. Here, I'm going to free you up right now. Folks, it's not you. It's God. They're just venting at you because they can vent it at you. What they're angry at is God. They don't want anything to do with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? They don't want to have anything to do with God. And so unbelief will express rejection and unrestrained emotion. And so here we got it. We've got these folks who are there, and they're screaming for his murder now. You know, it's an interesting point. I didn't mark this down, but you've got to think about this. These are the same people who just earlier in the week cried Hosanna. That tells you how fickle people are. So Pilate now is forced to give a sentence, and that's what we're going to see now in verses 24 and 25. So what's going on here? It's like, what do you mean he's got to give a sentence? Look at what he does. Look at verse 24. So Pilate gave the sentence that it should be as they requested. He's going to crucify him. Look at verse 25. And he released to them the one they requested who for rebellion and murder had been thrown in prison. But he delivered Jesus to their will. Two things I want you to see here. Number one, the status quo must be maintained. That's really what the issue is. The issue isn't truth. The issue isn't what's right and what's wrong. The issue has to do with the status quo. What do you mean, George? Well, Pilate's in charge of the province. It's probably one of the most unruly provinces in the empire. And they're at the feast time. The last thing he wants to have happen is a riot. The Caesar, the king, the ruler of the empire, doesn't like his provinces getting all up in arms. And somebody's going to have to be held responsible if problems break out. So he's got people who are screaming and yelling for Jesus to be killed. The best thing that can happen to maintain the status quo, he's going to do what? Give them what they want. In fact, the other gospel writers tell us he did something ceremonially as he did it. What did he do? We all know this. He what? He washed his hands. But you know what? Isn't it interesting? We now know, even through law today, that you can sit there and say, well, I'm not the one. They told me to do it. I'm just a soldier. I don't need to. We know today that in courts of law today, what? You're just as guilty. So even though they cry for it, he's just as guilty for sending him to his death. And it all has to do with what? The status quo being maintained. But here's what I want you to see. Here's the final point I want you to see about unbelief. Unbelief will settle for nothing less than what it wants. Unbelief will settle for nothing less than what it wants. That's really what the issue is. 
The issue is, is they don't want Jesus. They want rid of Jesus. They don't want what Jesus represents. Jesus represents everything that they can't stand for. Jesus represents that they're going to have to change their life. They don't want to change their life. Jesus represents that something's got to change with the way the, the whole system there in Israel is going to be. They don't want that. They want what they want, and they'll do what they want, and they'll settle for nothing less than what they want. If that means getting rid of a guy, so be it. That's the issue. And so when you look at people around you who don't believe and they get adamant, they're going to settle for nothing less than what they want. Do you understand? Nothing less than what they want. You say, okay, George, he's going to be crucified. But how do we, how do we take this now and how do we apply it to our lives? Well, let me just kind of wrap it up here. I'll give you two questions for you to wrestle with. Now, listen, when I give you these questions, I want you to understand, I'm not giving you these questions for you to wrestle with right now and forget about it, and you don't even remember what we talked about over your cheeseburger at lunch today. I'm giving you these questions so that you wrestle with them during the week, so that you think about it, because these are questions that are going to provoke you in your spiritual life. And then I'm going to give you an action point, something that you need to do this week with it. So let's talk about the first question. Number one, what is your reaction to Jesus? What is your reaction to Jesus? Now, some of you here are going to say, well, well, that's an easy answer. I'm saved. I believe in him. I trust in him, Jesus, George. I, I, I'm a Christian. I'm okay. Now, now, let me just stop. I've got to back up a minute. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that, but you might still have a different reaction to Jesus. What do you mean? It's, I'm glad to hear you love him. I'm glad to hear you believe in him. But does he really mean that much to you? Like, are you doing what he says? Are you doing what he's telling you you should do in your life? Did you understand what I'm saying? What do you mean, George? Well, it's kind of like this. You know, I could say, you know, I respect Brad. I respect Brad a lot. I just don't do anything he tells me. You know, we're, we're elders here, and I respect him as an elder. But anything he, advice he gives me or his opinions... I'm not even listening. Ah, I love you, brother. Do I really love him? Isn't that what Jesus said? If you love me, keep my commandments. So first of all, I'm talking to the person here who's who may be a believer, and you say you love Jesus and everything. You know, the, the issue is, is, what's your reaction to him? If is, Do you really love him? Then do what he says. Now, let me just stop. Let me quantify that. Do what he says, not what some preacher told you to do. Okay? Do what he says, not what some preacher. Because sometimes preachers will throw a whole lot of stuff in there that has nothing to do with what Jesus says. If we just focus on what Jesus said, that in itself is enough. Does everybody understand me? Okay? So I'm talking, first of all, to the person here who is a believer. What's your reaction to him? I mean, if he's that significant, what's your reaction to him in the everyday things of your life? I'm going to talk right now to the person that may be here and they're seeking. They don't know Jesus. And I'm not sure where you're at. You maybe are here because somebody brought you here and you don't really care. Or maybe you're here and you're seeking. But you've got to ask yourself that question. What's your reaction to Jesus? What's your reaction to Jesus? What's your reaction? Here's the second question. What will you settle for in your life? What will you settle for in your life? Again, that's for both 
groups of people here. That's for the folks who know Jesus, who love Jesus, who say they love Jesus, and for those who don't know Jesus, who maybe are seeking or who couldn't care less. What are you settling for in your life? Because here's the thing. When we look at the Jewish leaders and the Jewish people at the day, here's what they were settling for, nothing less than what they wanted. And what did they want? They didn't want anything to do with Jesus. See, the two questions are connected. If you say you love Jesus, but you're not doing anything that Jesus is saying to you, I can almost guarantee you I know what you're settling for in your life. You're settling for what you want, not what God wants for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's that, I mean, do I need to be that direct with you? Because if your reaction is, is I don't really care what Jesus is telling me, I'll just say I love him and, oh, I'm glad I'm saved, I'm glad I'm going to heaven, I'm not going to hell type thing. The, the reality is, is listen to me, if you're not doing what Jesus wants for your life, if you're not adjusting the attitudes in your life and the issues in your life, if, you're, if God's speaking to you about your marriage and he's telling you quit being a jerk, and you don't want to change that? You, I know what you're settling for. You're settling for what you want in your life, not what God wants for your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? You said, you mean he would talk to me about my marriage? You better believe it. He'll talk to you about your attitudes. He'll talk to you about the dark things in your life nobody else knows about. Because he wants what's best for you. But the question is, is what do you want? What are you settling for? And a lot of times, let's be honest with ourselves, we're settling for what we want. That's not necessarily the best thing. So what's your reaction to Jesus? And what are you settling for? Now, remember why I said you just can't answer this right now? Do you know what I mean? These are the kind of questions that are like, you've got to really think about them, don't you? These are the kind of questions when you wrestle with them with God, he begins to reveal to you, this is what you're settling for in your life, buddy. Do you know what I mean? This is what your reaction has been to me. Oh, you say you love me, but this is what you're settling for, and I, I don't want that. You know, one of the things I've been, a verse that's been coming to my mind in my life this week is where Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, for my way is easy. And I've been thinking about how many times I'm fighting against that yoke, fighting against it, fighting against it. You ever seen an animal fight against its leash? Gets itself all worn out? Because it, if it just would just go along with you for the walk, everything would be wonderful. You know what I'm talking about? But they're like, ah, they're just fighting it, getting themselves all worn out. And, and it's, it's making life miserable for you, too. You know, you want to shoot something. But that's the way it is, isn't it? What are you settling for in your life? So what are we got to do? Here's what you got to do. Here's the, it's a variation of the question we had last week for the last couple of weeks here. Decide what you're going to do with Jesus. Decide what you are going to do with Jesus. That, and again, folks, again, that's not a, oh, I'm going to follow him. No, no, no. You got to think about what that means. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus. Do you not know what that means? See, this is the thing you've got to wrestle with. You can't just say, I want to follow Jesus. Have you considered what Jesus wants? Oh, that's too heavy. You remember what I first I told you I'm wrestling with this week? My yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. 
something to think about. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.